I don't believe in coincidence, but in the fact that we are responsible for all our decisions and, of course, their consequences. I had no idea what I was getting myself into, but I needed to find out. When the universe sends us a sign, we have to recognize it. Welcome to a new episode of Most Memorable Journeys. By now you all know that many or most of my most memorable journeys date back to the time in my life when I was working in the travel industry. Now there's a difference between an accompanying tour guide and a locally stationed tour guide, which is also known as being a rep. The difference is that the rep doesn't travel with the clients, but waits for them at the arrival airport, is at their service with all sorts of information during their stay in a country, goes and translates, sometimes uh, takes them to the hospital if necessary, organizes excursions, and then helps them check in upon their departures. In the old days, we used to have to confirm flights, and it was very important to do so, especially during the high season when flights were often overbooked. Now, an accompanying tour guide is someone who travels with a group, usually for one, two, three weeks. And I had had a trip where I actually was together with the clients for four weeks. And very often you travel with them from the home airport and back to the home airport. I started off as a rep and worked at many different destinations before I decided to do the more demanding traveling around with people I didn't know. The thing is that once you get used to the more challenging stuff, you don't really want to go back to basic repping. But then again... Never say never. Now, in the winter 8990, I had decided to take time off because I had worked so much during this year. I needed a break and I wanted to go skiing and I also wanted to take advantage of my travel perks because we used to get free flights when there were seats available from the company we worked for. We could go on any charter flight we wanted, provided there were empty seats. It was called being standby. I'm still, it still exists, but um, that, those were the days. So towards the end of November, I was spending some time in London and I had a flight delay on that Sunday when I was going back home. And when I finally got home around midnight, I found a note on the kitchen table saying, you have to urgently call the tour guides department of Kuoni. It is very, very urgent. Call no matter how late it is. They are waiting for your call. And I thought, good God, what happened now? Now, many of you are probably going to wonder, why didn't they just call her cell phone or send a message or send her an email? Well, remember... 1989, there was no such thing as the internet. A fax machine was as good as it got, and we didn't have those at home. Anyway, I thought it was too late to call. I went to bed, and promptly at 8 o'clock in the morning, the phone rang, and I was told 
that there was an emergency in Phuket, Thailand. One of the reps who was working there had had a nervous breakdown and she needed to be replaced immediately with someone, and of course they said that to catch me, with someone like me who has nerves of steel. You see, not everybody is cut out to be a tour guide. This was on a Monday morning and I would have to leave on Thursday for at least five months. I had absolutely no intention to go back to repping, no intention to work so much because I wanted to ski and travel. But somehow the thought of spending time in Thailand was very tempting. I had never been there before. I was very, very intrigued and I needed to take an executive decision. I decided to say yes and I had three days to prepare. I believe that some opportunities only appear once in life. And this was one of them. I don't believe in coincidence, but in the fact that we are responsible for all our decisions and, of course, their consequences. I had no idea what I was getting myself into, but I needed to find out. When the universe sends us a sign, we have to recognize it. So a few days later... I was on board of a Thai Airways jumbo to Bangkok. And somehow, right from the beginning, I had a feeling that this was going to be lots of fun. I stayed in Bangkok for a few days, was shown around, introduced and instructed by the legendary Lily Saxer, who was a resident manager there for many years. Bangkok is known for its street life and cultural landmarks, the floating markets, the tuk-tuks, the orchids, the noise, of course, as well as its red light districts. The Grand Palace and Buddhist temples, including Wat Arun and Wat Po, stand in contrast with the tourist attractions, such as the nightlife scenes in Kaosan Road and Patpong. Another thing which is important and maybe one of the reasons why I took up this job, I absolutely love Thai food. Even before I ever went to Thailand, I used to go to Thai restaurants in the States and in, and whenever or in London, wherever I found one, which is a sensational culinary journey and taste experience. Thai cuisine is a blend of spicy, sour, bitter, sweet and salty. And it is probably my favorite food in the whole world. Unfortunately, I didn't get to spend so many days in Bangkok because I was desperately needed in Phuket. So off I went to the island in the Andaman Sea, where I was welcomed very warmly by Kathy Ruffer, not only because she was a very nice person, but especially because she was desperately waiting for help. The poor girl with the nervous breakdown had already left. And Cathy had to do all the work on her own while she was waiting for me. By the way, even though Phuket is called an island, it is connected to the mainland by the Sarazin Bridge. So I was driven to my new home for the next few months, the beautiful Le Meridien Hotel on Caron Beach, which is a wonderful resort hotel and also the main reason why my predecessor couldn't cope. 
Thailand was a Kuoni international destination and we were also looking after the clients of Kuoni Paris. They had a package which consisted of a round trip in the beautiful north of Thailand, including Chiang Mai, Chiang Rai, all these beautiful areas up there. And then the second half of their deal was a week on the beach in Phuket. Unfortunately, no one had told them that their beach stay was a room with mountain view. They were looking at the hill behind the hotel, and of course they wanted to see the sea. Now, we needed to explain to them that if they wanted to move to a sea view room, they would have to pay more. But that was not the only obstacles. The sea view rooms were mostly fully booked or even overbooked. And it wasn't possible to move, even if they were willing to pay. And some of those clients became very aggressive and unpleasant, which now explains the nervous breakdown. They blamed us for all their misfortune. And when we used to see them or when I used to see them at breakfast or by the pool, they gave me a very mean and disapproving look. And they also made me responsible for the fact that not everybody in the hotel spoke French. They thought it was Le Méridien. After all, and everyone was supposed to speak French in this hotel. I had 10 years of experience at that point, and I wasn't going to allow anyone to bring me down. I knew how to distance myself from things that cannot be changed. I knew and I still know, because that's one of the most important things in life. If we can change what is happening, we can decide how we want to think about it or look at it. I always tried my best to help, but sometimes it just wasn't possible. Having said that, my heart was always beating a little faster when I sat down in the hotel lobby. We weren't allowed to wear our uniforms in Thailand, so we were not initially recognizable. But as soon as I put the Kuoni sign on the table, they swarmed towards me like bees to honey, ready to eat me alive. It was fun and I needed all my Swiss diplomatic skills. And of course, I'm exaggerating a little bit here. Not all clients were difficult. We had mostly wonderful people who enjoyed exploring and loving the beauty of Phuket, the food, the wonderful people, the orchids, the baby elephant, which used to walk around in the hotel lobby, the dancers during happy hour, and of course, also the wonderful excursions that we offered. One place that people loved to go to was Fangna Bay and James Bond Island. Do you remember Scaramanga, the assassin in The Man with the Golden Gun? Yes, his hideout was here, in the turquoise waters, mangroves and rock formations of this bay, and we took our people on an excursion there. There was, of course, a lot to do in Phuket itself. We had island tours, we had Thai boxing, shopping, and... I loved my Sikh tailor, whose name I have forgotten. 
he created some amazing Thai silk dresses for me. And I loved going by in the morning before I went to work for a fitting and to see my new creations made my day. Of course, there was also PP Island, which at the time was still quite secluded. I know that in the meantime, there are a couple of resorts have been built there. But in my days, it was just a tropical island with the most amazing white beaches. And people went there to dive or to chill. We went there, it was a day excursion, and then in the evening, everybody left. Every night, I drove my pickup truck. Yes, that was my car, a red Toyota pickup truck, to Patong Beach to have dinner with Kathy, who was lodging at the Holiday Inn Hotel. And we exchanged stories about what happened to us during the day. We had lots of laughs and lots of delicious food. I will always remember those amazing seafood stalls along the boardwalk, the lobsters. And of course, there was also a restaurant with Bavarian specialities that served schnitzel, which was a perfect alternative when we were homesick. I had a cassette player in my car, in my pickup truck. And throughout my winter in Phuket, I listened to only two tapes. The one was Best of Jimmy Cliff, and the other one was Best of Elton John. And whenever I hear any of these songs today, I just need to close my eyes and I can see myself drive down the road towards Katatani Beach. One of the things that I observed and that made an impression on me right from the beginning was the way my colleagues spoke English to the Thai people. I thought, they'd speak better English than this. I didn't understand because they knew English. My colleagues spoke good English. But then I realized that this was the only way to communicate because many Thai people at the time did not speak very much English. And of course, then I started doing the same. I needed to concentrate after a while when I was talking to someone in real English and then to someone in Thai English that people would understand. And I have some golden nuggets here for you. In the Thai language, there is no difference between sir and madam or Mr. and Mrs. The word for both is kun. I am kun Elizabeth. And a man would be called Kun George or Kun Sam. And so I had this conversation with the lift boy nearly every day because every day when I came downstairs, the door would open and he would say to me, good morning, sir. And every day I said to him, no, not sir, madam. And he would look at me and he would say, yes, sir. Another one is that one day I arrived at one of the hotels to visit clients with departure information. And when I couldn't find them anywhere in the lobby, I went to the reception to ask if they had any idea where my clients from room such and such could be. The receptionist said to me, 
Oh, clients go to Andaman Clinic. Oh, really? I said, what happened to them? And he said, go to clinic because baby checked out. And then it clicked. The poor woman had been pregnant and she had had a miscarriage. And the only language my Thai receptionist knew was hospitality language. To leave means to check out. Now, this is a good one. My rental car needed fixing. And I went to the car rental company to ask when it could be done. And I said to the agent, how about tomorrow? And he looked at me and he said, no, tomorrow no can. And I said, why not? Why not tomorrow? He said, because tomorrow, happy new year. Because the next day was Chinese new year. And I think the highlight of all misunderstanding was this one. We were friends with the staff from Thai Airways because we needed to go there to change tickets. We needed to go there to reconfirm flights. And it was important that we had a good relationship with them. And once in a while, we invited them out for a meal. They were lovely girls, very nice young people who were eager to meet up with foreigners, eager to speak English, to improve their English. And especially one of these girls was fascinated by hotels and by beautiful places. She always used to disappear for a while to go and have a look at the bathrooms. She liked the fixings and the tiles. And she was dreaming of staying at the Meridian Hotel. And she asked me if she could stay with me one night. And I had two double beds in my room. And I said, of course, there's plenty of space. Be my guest. So we had been out again for a meal. And it has, was a little late that night when she had decided to come and stay. And we came back to the hotel when the night shift was already on duty. I knew everyone very well in the hotel, but the night shift people I didn't know so well because I didn't go out until really very late. So that day, they thought that I was bringing home a lady from a certain profession. And the next morning or the next day, I had an, a charge on my account for a joiner. And let me just explain to you in a little way what a joiner means, because I googled it. And here is what it says on Google. A joiner is basically a temporary guest who is joining the registered hotel guest. In case you're a typical single guy in Pattaya to enjoy the nightlife and the girls, your joiner would be a bar girl freelancer or any other girl or lady boy you invite back to your hotel room for a bit of casual fun. I had a wonderful relationship with all the front office staff and with everybody in the hotel. Everybody knew me by name. So when I came back from work in the afternoon of that day, I was called to the front office and the front office manager looked at me and laughed out loud. And the whole hotel knew 
that I had spent the night with a joiner. Of course, they all knew that it was just a friend, but they enjoyed making fun of me for a very long time. Even the general manager, Andreas Mattmüller, the Swiss general manager, had heard about it and laughed when he saw me. He was an amazing person and a very professional hospitality leader, and I'm still grateful for his many invitations to management cocktails at the time. I never regretted taking this quick decision and going to Thailand so unexpectedly. It was an amazing winter, and I got to love the country and the people. A year later, during the first Gulf War, when we had very little work because people were afraid to travel, my friends Ruth and Bernadette took a little trip back to Thailand, back to Phuket for a week. They were my interview guests in episode five, which is called Partners in Crime. And we are talking about this trip in that episode and how much fun we had staying in a suite at the Meridian, visiting the tailor, of course, for silk dresses and silk bed sheets, eating lots of lobster thermidor on Patong Beach, and me being their driver in another pickup truck. I don't know where we found it, but I was driving them around the island. And during this trip, we also visited Similan Islands, which is a group of islands which are further away, but definitely worth a visit. It's actually paradise. The Similan Islands is one of the best known island groups in the Andaman Sea, largely because there is real clear blue waters around beautiful corals and of course all sorts of fish. And it's a little archipelago, supposedly one of the most interesting diving areas in the world. And I googled it, there is still no hotel on Similan Islands. You either have to stay in a tent or you have to stay on your boat or you'd have to just visit for the day like we did. And the last time I was in Thailand was during a stop. We stopped over with my kids on the way to Australia because I had always wanted to stay at the Oriental Hotel in Bangkok, because at some point it was known to be one of the greatest hotels in the world. This was a perfect opportunity and it didn't disappoint. We had an amazing time. We enjoyed the wonderful gardens, the pool. We ordered food by the pool and had our breakfast on the sun loungers. And because we were there during the Songkran Water Festival, we had great fun watching people throw water at each other and a little less fun when they were throwing water at us. And the first day we had gone out for a walk and had moved away too far from the hotel to walk back. So we decided to take a taxi or a tuk-tuk or anything we could find. But no driver understood where we wanted to go. When we said Oriental Hotel, which really, I mean, it was a landmark, one of the oldest hotels in, in Bangkok, they just looked at us and they didn't know what we were talking about. And we were getting a little desperate until we found someone who spoke good English. 
And he explained to us that we were pronouncing it wrong. It's not the Oriental. It's the Oriental Hotel. Yes, you have to adapt your English to Thai style. It helps you get to places. If you like my podcast, please subscribe and download and listen to every single episode. Share it with your friends and your family. Let me know if you're enjoying it. Let me know if you would want me to do something differently. And let me know what other places in the world you want me to talk about, because I have been to most of them. If you like what you hear and you want to know more about what I do, check out my website www.thesoulkit.com.